funny is that some of us might look around this room and be like, man, what a bunch of crazy people. And you know, the funny thing is, there's actually some truth to that. Yeah. Because the facts really are, we are crazy. Come on, bro. Come on, bro. Oh, God, amen. Yeah. You know, I don't know if any of y'all have ever gone to a sporting event before, like a basketball event, or a soccer event, or a baseball event. Yeah. But some of these sport fans can really get pretty crazy about their favorite sports Teams, you guys with me? You know, the truth is, there's somebody here. The reason we're so excited is because we come together this morning to worship our favorite person in the universe, and that's Jesus Christ. Guys, is Jesus Christ the person that fires you up the most about life? See, if God can't fire you up, then you're getting fired up about all the wrong things. Guys, let's turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter six. Come on, bro. Matthew chapter six. I'm gonna ask you, how are you feeling this morning? Fire it up, bro. What fires you up this morning? Matthew chapter six. It's funny, Jesus says something here that that may seem a little confusing to us. I know for, for, for centuries, people were like, okay, Jesus, that sounds really cool. It's like one of those deep spiritual sayings that people say but you don't quite understand what it actually means. Amen. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 22, it's like when somebody says a punchline to a joke and you're not sure whether or not to clap or to laugh. You're like, is there more to the story? <laughs> Come on, bro. But Matthew chapter 6, what Jesus teaches us here is actually very true. It's very real. And sure enough, it is deep. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 22, Jesus simply says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Isn't this an incredible scripture, guys? Yeah. yeah it is. And if you're anything like who I was when I first read this, I was like, what the heck is Jesus talking about? <laughs> what does he mean? Well, it's simple. Your eyes are the lamp of your body. Whatever your eyes look at, you and your life become full of of. See, what you focus on is what you get. Mm -hmm. What you look at is in fact exactly what you become. Mm -hmm. Which is exactly why Jesus says right before this statement, in verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will end up also. What do you look at in your mind's eye? Or what do you even look at physically? Has your life been full of looking at God's holy scriptures? Like, holy scriptures, guys. These things are amazing. Has your life been full of looking at your brothers and sisters in the faith? Or has your life been full of simply looking at your bank account? Has your life been full of looking at the women and men across the streets? Have your eyes been full of looking at pornography, lust, greed? What have you been focusing on? Because where your heart's treasures are, there you will end up also. And what you focus on is exactly what you will become. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but it is a 100% guarantee. There you will end up also. Because I want to talk about somebody who's worth all the praise. See, today is, in fact, Father's Day. And I want to talk about the most incredible father in the universe 
of all time. Now, I, I love even uh, a TK sharing for contribution this morning, talking about like, you know, I, I wouldn't wish his father happy Father's Day. Why? Because he's not my dad, right? And, and I think if TK were to wish my dad a happy Father's Day, I'd be like, bro, thank you, but that's a little weird. Because you know? he's not your dad. But I, I love it because you're like, yeah, that makes sense. But then he goes on to say, you know, but we all do have the same father. Amen. The heavenly father. And this father is the father that every father was meant to be. I want to ask you, does God fire you up Come on, bro. this morning? Start of Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. Revelation. You know, uh, uh, they say that who you are behind closed doors is who you really are. Who you are in your home is who you really are. Well, excitingly, John the Apostle gets a sneak peek preview of who God is behind closed doors. God welcomes him into his own living room. His own throne room. And then God says, hey, John, you're going to get a kick out of this. As a matter of fact, it's going to be so awesome when you see me in my own home that I want you to go and share what you see with the rest of the world. Come on. You know, I know the brother's house here is, is pretty incredible. You know, they got about 14 different TVs. You got about uh, uh, 12 different laptops and computer systems. You know, it's funny being able to come here like during men's midweek or maybe on my off day and just see all the brothers doing their own things. This is like in many ways, in terms of a brother's house around the kingdom, this is like a paradise. <laughs> it's pretty incredible. Come on, Nero. But believe it or not, this brother's house has got nothing on the room in the house that God has prepared for you up in heaven. Revelation chapter 4, John the Apostle is taken up in a vision. He's taken up in the Holy Spirit to see God in all of his awesome majesty, splendor, and glory. In verse 1, after this, I looked and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. Wow. Heaven's gates open. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet. Come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. Hey, I gotta show you where everybody's gonna end up. I I gotta show you the end of the movie. John, you get a premiere. This is where we're all gonna end up. At once I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had an appearance of Jasper and Ruby, a rainbow that shone like emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white, kind of like Timothy Kososi here, all dressed in white, and crowned with gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing hot. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's, it's hard to say. It's inexplicable. It's indescribable. Human words can't even amount to what this looked like. But, but it kind of looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. And in the center around the throne were four living creatures. And God was so glorious that even these celestial beings had to cover their eyes. In front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face of a man. A good looking brother. Kind of like Nero right here. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four creatures had six wings and covered and were covered with eyes all around. Even under its wings 
I don't even know what that looks like, but that's pretty <laughs> awesome. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Amen. Wow. Isn't this awesome? Guys, this morning, I'm going to talk about this awesome father. I'm going to talk about this being that when we get up to heaven, we won't even be able to help but just sing holy, holy, holy. In layman's terms, the word holy simply means different. I've never seen anything like this before. This is incredible. And for the rest of eternity, we'll be talking to each other about how awesome God is. Mm-hmm. You know, on the radio or social media, when there's like a really hot song, it'll be on the, like the top playlist, right? The top 10 list for like weeks or months. Like if there's like a really great movie, like the Avengers uh, Endgame, or maybe like Doctor Strange, like people will be talking about this movie for months, maybe even years. But God will be so glorious. He will be so good that we won't be able to stop talking him, uh, talking about him for all of eternity. This is our awesome God. The title of today's lesson is simply Awesome God. Come on, bro. Awesome God. That sounds awesome. And guys, when I say our God, I want you guys to say, is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. He is an awesome God. But is that how you felt about God when you showed up through those doors this morning? Is God so awesome that when you enter his house, all of your problems disappear? I love what our incredible sister Amber Anderson shared during the welcome this morning. Guys, in God's kingdom, there is seldom a sister as amazing as Amber Anderson. Amen. Absolutely. (laughs) And in case you guys don't know, I don't mean to put it out there, but this year has been a very hard year for her. Mm-hmm. An extremely difficult year. She's gone through things that I would not wish on anybody. And yet she's able to stand here today rejoicing with us, not because her problems don't exist, but because she understands that God is so awesome that that very Father in Heaven will take care of all of her problems. Come on. Amen. You know, they say that human on, beings Uncle. too often will glance at God and gaze at their problems. Mm. But I want us this morning to start changing our mind to gaze at God and glance over our problems. Amen. That's how awesome our God is. I got three points for us this morning talking about our awesome God. Point number one, God's awesome power. Point number two, God's awesome purpose. And finally, point number three, God's awesome people. God's awesome people. Point number one, God's awesome power. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 6. It's really cool here. John, the apostle, gets a glimpse at what God's throne room looks like. But believe it or not, this is actually very similar to what happened hundreds of years prior to our, our, our brother, God's prophet, Isaiah. And amen, we're not quite talking about Isaiah, uh, uh, Liz's boyfriend here. All right, we're talking about Isaiah the prophet. Although, amen, Liz's boyfriend is Isaiah the prophet. Amen. He's an incredible preacher. He preached an incredible lesson this Wednesday night at Men's Ooh, Midweek. Amen. But let's amen. look at Isaiah chapter 6. Let's go. Come on, bro. Isaiah chapter 6. Preaching, bro. This is another uh, uh, instance where God took one of his favorites on earth up to his home. 
Isaiah chapter 6, starting in verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on the throne. Now, let's pause here. Let's pause. In the year that King Uzziah died. In case you don't know, Isaiah was very close with King Uzziah. This was a national tragedy. This was a horrible thing that happened. A death, not just in the family, a death in the nation. Mm. And in this type of a time of weeping, in this time of hardship, in this time of mourning, it's not by coincidence that God says here that it's in this tragedy that Isaiah was able to keep his eyes, to keep his mind focused on things above. Mm. See, when you're going through a hard time, do you think of God on his throne? high and exalted when you're having a tough week do you like to kind of keep your mind down below on worldly problems or do you cope with your problems by remembering God the king on his throne in heaven high and exalted I think one of the reasons why Isaiah was such an incredible prophet of God and the reason why he changed the world is because in the darkest times he was able to remember God king of the universe Mm -hmm. on his throne high and exalted The next time you go through a hardship, the next time you go through a very, very difficult time in your life, I want to challenge you. Remember, God is a king on his throne in heaven, high and exalted. Amen, guys? Amen. The Bible says he's high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Robes back in those days uh, 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 represented a king's glory or a king's honor, a king's splendor, his majesty. And God has so much glory that his clothes filled the temple. So if God's clothes filled the temple, then where is Isaiah standing? Outside the temple. (laughs) Because God's glory fills his temple. There's no room for sin or for otherworldly things in our life when God fills our temple. Does God's glory so fill your life that there's just simply no room anywhere else mm. for anyone in your heart. You know, I appreciate uh, Timothy Kososi a couple oh, weeks ago. He, he came up with a Bible talk uh, entitled Make Room. Mm. Make Room for God. On, and the idea how people sometimes we can get so caught up in distractions and amen, important things, yeah. but just not God's things. And we can get so distracted that we don't have room in our lives for God. But the fact is, God wants the polar opposite to happen in our life. Where God is so full in our lives. Our life is so full of God that if we want to sin, we literally have to make room for sin. Mm. If that makes sense. Does God fill your life that way? Where even his clothes, it's like even his socks, <laughs> fill your whole life. Okay. Keeps on going. Above him were seraphim, they're angels. Each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. They couldn't even look at God. With two wings, they covered their feet. Uh, back in those days, your feet were like the unclean part. Like if you were dirty, you'd like cover your feet. You know how people sometimes when they're embarrassed, they like cover themselves? Well, back in those days, they'd cover their feet. It's like, oh, my feet are so dirty. So these angels who had never sinned still felt sinful in God's presence. They covered their feet. They covered the unclean things in their life. And with two wings, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. 
At the sound of their voices, the angels' voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me! I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord God Almighty. Mm. See, the truth is, Regardless of who you are or what you think of yourself, God is so awesome that when you stand before him, the only thing you will be able to think is how sinful am I? It's like when somebody scrutinizes your whole life. You know, I remember one time uh, uh, shortly after uh, Brittany and I, uh, uh, I believe shortly after we got engaged, I told her, babe, I will go anywhere for you. And so she looked at me and said, anywhere? I'm like, what's that supposed to mean? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the way she said it made me kind of doubt what I just said. So she grabs my hand. She's like, I need to run an errand. I'm like, uh-oh. She takes me for the first time in my life as a man and all of my masculinity. She takes me to the beauty supply store. <laughs> and let's just say that I really was trying to be a great fiance. But I did not fit in. I don't, I, I'm like, I don't know what any of this is. I don't belong here. You guys with me here? But the fact is, when we stand before God, that's how we will feel. I don't belong here. I don't fit in. I'm a man of unclean. I'm a woman of unclean lips. Mm-hmm. And the beauty is, is God will pick those people up and say, you are my chosen one. Mm-hmm. You are my son and you are my daughter. Jesus says, he who humbles himself will be exalted. But he who exalts himself will be humbled. How do you view yourself today? Do you view yourself higher than God does? Or do you understand that you have nothing to offer God? There's no way you can impress God. But it's simply by submitting and obeying this awesome God that you will be exalted by God. You guys with me? You know, it's very fascinating. When you look at all the different interactions that the men and women of the Bible had when they met either God or angels of God. And I think in our Western 21st century mentality, I think we have a completely unbiblical perspective of how we measure up to God. Some people are like, man, when I see God, it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. But when you look at the Bible, the men and women of the Bible, Abraham, when he met God, he bowed in reverence, in fear to the ground. When Lot met the two angels in Sodom and Gomorrah, it literally says he was sitting. He was relaxing. He literally got up just to put his face (laughs) on the ground. Again, in fear, in reverence to God. When Jacob had his vision of the stairway to heaven, he woke up. And the Bible literally says he was terrified and said, this place is awesome for God is here. Moses, when he uh, met God through the burning bush, he's like, hey, what's that burning bush over there? God spoke at the burning bush and the Bible literally says that Moses was terrified when he saw God. Joshua, when he met the angel of the Lord's army, said, hey, who are you? He's like, I'm the angel of the Lord's army. He's like, oh my God, drop with his face to the ground in reverence, again, in fear. When Gideon was met by the angel of God, again, bowed with his face to the ground in fear and reverence. Manoah, Samson's father and mother, when they met God's angel, bowed with their face to the ground in fear. Daniel, the dude, Daniel the lion's dead. Come on, when Daniel. he met God's angel, he was struck with 
fear and was terrified. Isaiah, we just read, he realized his sin and was struck with fear. Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, when he met the angel, the vision of God in the temple, he was struck dumb. He could not speak. And then was struck with fear. Mary, the mother of Jesus, when the angel came to her, said, do not be afraid. Why? Because everyone... Because she was afraid. <laughs> and the Bible really said she was frightened because she did not know what kind of welcome this would be. Mm. Now, some of us, again, in our kind of privileged Western world, 21st century mentality, we're like, that's a little weird. But I think the truth is, is we're out of touch mm. with how awesome God is. Wow. We think too highly of ourselves in perspective on, of God. You know, some people have a false sense of humility. It's like some people think that humility is just thinking of yourself less, right? It's like, I'm just nothing. I'm scum of the earth, right? It's like, no. I believe that true humility is simply thinking of yourself the way God thinks of you. Wow. It's to think of yourself rightly. But I think sometimes we can be far too casual about our sin. We think that we measure up to God. And the truth is, two parts. You don't. But number two, by God's grace, you don't have to. See, when the men and women of the Bible met God, what they experienced was the utter power of God's magnificence. You know, even in Spanish, I know some of the Spanish speakers here will appreciate this. Even in Spanish, the word for power is poder, which literally can also be translated as to be able. And so God being all-powerful also makes him the one who is fully able. Wow. Which is why Jesus is able to tell us with great confidence, all things are possible with God. See, the reason why God can do anything is because God has all the power in the universe. You know, I I reflect on what Jesus said in John chapter 15. Let's turn to John chapter 15. Come on, bro. How do you view God's power today? And I believe that God, your understanding of God's power is made manifest in multiple ways. But one of, I believe, the most powerful ways that demonstrate your true understanding of God's power is what you ask God to do. What are you asking God to do? You know, it's funny, the other day, uh, I took Nero out. Nero uh, recently graduated with his nursing degree from Humboldt. And it was funny because I took him out. I'm like, hey, bro, I want to take you out to lunch. I want to celebrate uh, uh, your graduation. So I took him to Denny's and I told him, bro, get whatever you want. And immediately, like, so Nero's looking at the menu and all of a sudden he hears me say, hey, bro, get whatever you want. He's like, oh, I don't want to over, I don't want to over order something. So he turns to like the 99 cent menu. I'm like, gee, bro, you think I'm that broke? <laughs> Goodness gracious. And so in a way, I'm like, bro, you can get more. Why? Because I can do it. And sometimes we have that mentality when it comes to God. I don't want to ask God for too much. Because will God really do it? Can God actually do it? John chapter chapter 15. The Bible says this. This is what Jesus is saying to his best friends. John chapter 15, starting in verse 7. Jesus says this. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. And it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Guys, we have to ask Jesus for fruit, to bear fruit. 
But are you asking Jesus for that fruit in your life? Are you asking Jesus for financial help? Are you asking Jesus for academic help? Are you asking Jesus for, for romantic help? Are you asking Jesus for a job? Are you asking Jesus to have people come in your path who want to be disciples too? What are you asking God for? On the flip side, what are you not asking God for? I, I, I like these little exercises. I'm a man uh, who really believes uh, deeply in spiritual disciplines. I want us to take out a piece of paper if you don't already have one. It's a great excuse to grab out a piece of paper if you don't already have one. Come on. I want you to do this real quick. I want to do a little exercise. We'll take two or three minutes. <clears throat> okay, grab out a piece of paper here. And uh, maybe it's the same piece of paper you have. All right, you don't have to get out a new piece of paper. But, but, but somewhere on the next line there at the top of your piece of paper, I want you to do this. We're going to do a little exercise. Let's go. I want you to write down on the top of your paper or wherever you're at, worries. I, I literally, guys, all right, we're going we're gonna to have a little self-restraint here. But, but, but if there's ever a time to have like a panic attack, right, this, this, this may be the time, right? <laughs> I want you to write worries list on that next line or at the top of your paper. Write worries list. No joke. And I want you in bullet form, one by one, in little like terse phrases, what are you worried about? What are you honestly worried about? You don't have to share this with anybody. So, I mean, feel free to put your deep dark secrets on here. Feel free not to put your deep dark secrets on here. But this is for you. Nobody's going to look at it. Nobody's going to need to share this. But what are you worried about? What are you afraid of? What are you sad about? What are you embarrassed about? Your worries. Your anxieties, your honest to God fears, your angers. Write a couple. Write a couple then. What are you worried about? What are you anxious about? What are you afraid about? What are you embarrassed about? Take a couple more seconds here. Anybody need more time? I'm looking for maybe like two or three things. We good? All right. Just for time's sake, pause. I want you to look at that list. Read that list back to yourself. Does everybody have at least two or three things? Yeah. Everybody have two or three things? Okay, great. Okay, keep it to yourself. This is not something to be shared publicly. This is something that I want you to start practicing on a daily basis if need be. Look over that list again. The things that you're worried about. Read it to yourself. Now, I want you back at the top of your page there, where you write worried list, uh, worries list, yeah. I want you to cross off the word worries and write the word prayers. Ooh. Oh, bro. This is your true prayer requests. This is your true prayer list. Sometimes we can get a little routine and overly religious. God, thank you for my food. God, thank you for my shoes. God, thank you for my house. Amen. These are things to be grateful for. Amen. But a lot of those things don't actually worry you. They're not actually weighing on your heart. They don't hurt you spiritually. Mm. The things that just made their way on your list, these are the things closest to your heart. Do you believe in God's power enough that when you pray for these things, he can actually deliver? That's how awesome God's power is. Amen, family? Point number two. God's awesome purpose. Come on, bro. God's awesome purpose for your life. You know, there's this idea, if you give a monkey the decision between a banana 
and a hundred dollar bill. <laughs> Again, give a monkey the decision between a banana and a hundred dollar bill. Which one do you guys think the monkey will choose? The banana. It will choose the banana. Banana unana, right? The monkey will choose the banana every single time. Come on. But what that monkey doesn't realize is that $100 bill could have bought him a thousand yeah. bananas. Yeah. And the truth is, Satan wants to play you like a monkey. Dang it. Wow. Come on. And he gives you your purpose. He says, hey, this is what you're familiar with. This sin, this small thinking, you know what this tastes like. You know what this looked like. And God is sitting again like a gentleman in the back saying, hey, I cannot force your hand. But trust me, this $100 bill, this plan that I have for your life, the purpose you were born for could give you a thousand times more than that silly old banana. Wow. But is that how you view God's purpose for your life? Let's go to Romans chapter 8. God's awesome. Purpose. Come on, bro. Come Romans 8. You guys with me this morning? Come yeah, on, bro. Romans 8. This is a, it's one of my favorite promises in the Bible. Appreciate it, bro. God's word, the Holy Scriptures say, and we know that in all things. How many things? Oh. All things. It's like the Chuck Norris joke. How many push-ups can Chuck Norris do? All of them. All of them. That's how many. <laughs> in all things, God works for the bad. Nope. Nope. God works for the discomfort? No. Not my translation. Not, my, yeah, not mine either. <laughs> God works for the good mm. of those who love him, mm. who have been called according to what? His purpose. His purpose. Oh. See, when we answer God's call, we're not answering God's call for our purpose. We're answering God's call for his purpose. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And when we answer God's call for his purpose, God says, it doesn't matter what happens to you. It doesn't even matter what you think happens to you. I promise it will always end up way better. The $100 bill. And, and sometimes, again, people can be overly religious. Well, as they say, you can be so heavenly minded that you're of no earthly good. It's like they can fail to realize what God's purpose actually is. I want to ask you, you, you may think this scripture applies to you, but do you know what God's purpose is? Mm. Because if you don't know what God's purpose is for your life, believe it or not, this scripture does not apply to you. <laughs> because it will only work out well for those who are living out God's purpose. Oh. Believe it or not, this is a conditional promise. Very conditional. So what are God's purposes? Check this out. Let's look at what Jesus' purpose is. Last time I checked, as Christians, our vow is to surrender our whole lives and be as much like Jesus as we possibly can. Amen? Amen. Well, let's look at some of the things that were Jesus' <laughs> purpose in life. And there's a whole list. I'm going to run through it. See, in Matthew chapter 1, the angel came uh, uh, to uh, uh, Joseph telling the purpose of Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, I have not come to abolish the scriptures or the old law, but to fulfill the law, to fulfill the scriptures. Matthew chapter 10, Jesus again says, I have not come to bring peace. I have come to bring a sword. Jesus in Matthew chapter, uh, Mark chapter 10 says, the son of man came to give his life as a ransom for many. 
Again, he says, I come to serve, not be served. Luke chapter 4, Jesus says, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God, for I was sent for this purpose. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. In Luke chapter 19, Jesus says, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. These are his purposes. Jesus again says, I've come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. John chapter 9, Jesus says, for judgment, I came into this world. In John chapter 12, Jesus says, truly, truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this purpose that I have come, referring mm -hmm. to his death. John chapter 12, I have come into the world as a light. Jesus tells Pontius Pilate in John chapter 18, for this purpose I was born and this, for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Wow. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, Jesus, uh, 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 Paul says, this saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Wow. Finally, in 1 John chapter 3, John the apostle says, the reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Wow. Do you guys see the pattern there? Mm. Yeah. Would you say that your life matches up to this? Because this is what Jesus's purpose was. To change the world. Mm. To save the world. Maybe there are some of us here today who have never adopted this way of life. Mm. Maybe you're wondering what the heck this whole Bible thing is about. What's this Jesus thing? What's this Christian thing about? This is what we're about. This is the purpose of Jesus. Or maybe you're a disciple. You were a fire-breathing Christian. But through time and hardships, maybe you've drawn back a little bit. And maybe you've simply forgotten what your purpose was. Oh I want to ask you, come back. Please come back. And I promise you, according to the word of God, that all things work together for good for those who love God and live according to to his purpose. Come on, bro. Are you living out Jesus's purpose? Or have you started again to really live out your old purposes? Mm. Are you grabbing hold of that banana? Mm. Are you still holding fast to Jesus's $100 bill? You guys with me this morning? Yeah. Come on, bro. Yeah. I want to challenge the church today. Let's be more about God's purpose than we've ever been before. Just like last Sunday, the challenge was to be more spiritual than we've ever been. Let's be about our Father's purpose. Let's be about our Savior's purpose. Today, this week, let's share our faith more than we've ever shared our faith before. Let's reach out to people more than we've ever reached out to people before. Let's tell people the truth. Shine the light to people brighter than we've ever shined it before. And when we do that, I promise you, whatever fears you may have, all things work together for the good of those who love God and live according to his purpose. Amen, guys? Amen. Finally, point number three. Again, point number one, we talked about God's awesome power. Amen. Point number two is we talked about God's awesome purpose. And finally, point number three, <laughs> God's awesome people. Ooh. That's you guys! Woo! God's awesome Come on, Timmy. people. Let's go to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Preach it, bro. I don't know about you guys, but I love the kingdom of God. Yeah. Oh, and, and to be frank, I have nowhere else to go. Hey, Come on, bro. Luke chapter 10, 
Jesus says this in verse 21. He's talking to his disciples. The Bible says, at that time, Jesus was full of joy through the Holy Spirit. It said, I praise you, Father. There it is. Happy Father's Day. My Father in heaven. I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father. And no one knows who the Father is except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and he said to them privately, Blessed are your eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings long to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Wow. Jesus said, guys, look at what's about to happen. Guys, today, right now, I want you to look around this room. Look at all the different cultures. This is an international Sunday service. We got people literally from all over the globe. I remember a couple of weeks ago, uh, uh, we had the privilege of having a virtual campus congregational devotional with like, I don't even know, six, seven, eight, nine, maybe a dozen different campus ministries uh, from around this part of the world. And, and so for the good news sharing, I was sharing about how we have disciples and visitors coming to hear the word of God preached from all these different nations. So I, I was talking with Brittany, I'm like, babe, you know, let's start naming all these different nations. And so I didn't really think much of it as I was compiling this list, but then I started sharing this during the service for good news. I'm like, we got, we got people from, you know, this place and people from that place and these people. And I kept going, I'm like, oh my God, this is awesome. <laughs> this is truly amazing. And it was so amazing. Like even the disciples on the other side were like, wow, this is incredible. Just like, guys, so many people hundreds of years ago would have done anything to see people come worship God from all corners of the world. To see people worshiping God, praying to him in different languages. See, back in those days, in order to worship God the right way, believe it or not, you had to become Jew. And you had to learn Hebrew. And so that became a huge stumbling block to a lot of people. Last time I checked, you don't have to learn a language to become a Christian. Oh, and she's like, so many prophets are like, man, I just wish these people would get it. I wish these people would just enter God's people and become Jewish. <clears throat> I wish it was just easier. And finally, Jesus says, guys, this is what all those kings and all those prophets long wow. to see. Oh. You think of the prophet Ezekiel. You think of the man Noah. You think of Moses, Abraham, Jacob, even Joseph, the dude with many colors. All the men and the women of the Bible Do you know what they long to see? This right here. They long to see you. They long to see Brandon. They long to see Andrew, Divine. All of these people who had every excuse in the world to have religious, social, racial tension get along completely. You are the greatest answer to prayer in human history, besides the cross. We are the greatest answer to prayer besides the cross. But is that how you feel about God's kingdom? Are you in awe of God's kingdom? Let's go to Acts chapter 2. Come on, bro. This is something that was was partly already read by our brother Nero. In Acts chapter 2, many of us are familiar with this passage. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe 
at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every single day they met together in the temple courts. They continued to break home, uh, to break bread in their homes. Amen. They ate together with gladness and sincere hearts. Mm. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, including those outside the church. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You know, sometimes we can focus too much on what the disciples did here in this passage and forget to mention how they felt. Mm. They were fired up. Yep. They were in awe. Have you lost your awe at what God is doing today in his church? Wow. Because if you've lost your awe, ultimately it's not because you don't think the church is awesome. It's not because you don't think the people are awesome. It's because you struggle to believe that God is truly Whoa. awesome. Come on, bro. Guys, we worship an awesome God. And I pray that if there's one thing you get out of today's lesson, it's that by the time you walk out this door, you can hold your head high as a son or daughter of God. You are awesome because you are made in God's image. You bear his likeness and he literally wants you to be just like him. So if God is awesome, you're awesome too. Hey. Is that how you feel at work? Is that how you feel in class? Is that the people around you are just dying to become what you are? It's like the making trainer song. If I were you, I'd want to be me too. I want to challenge us this morning to have that mentality, to have that shameless audacity, that confidence from God, our Father, our Heavenly Father, our awesome God, that because we are sons and daughters of God, because we're sold out, full-blown, fire-breathing disciples of Jesus, that at the end of the day, everybody wants to be like you. They just may not know it yet. Mm. I pray that this morning you were encouraged. I pray that this morning you were inspired to be in awe of God and to share that awe with the rest of the world because God has awesome power. God has an awesome purpose. And God's people, us, by God's grace, are also us. Amen, guys? That's what I have to share. I love you guys.